Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over last night's slate, yesterday's slate, MLB-wise. And NBA, who cares, right? Everyone's out. I think I could just say, if you're thinking about today's NBA slate, half the, half the league is questionable and half the league is out or something. You don't know which half. You don't know which half it's going to be. But we'll talk a little bit about yesterday's MLB slate. We'll talk a little bit about today. we got a big one. 13-game MLB slate tonight. And as always... Answering your questions in the YouTube chat. If you if you, you you can get this as a podcast, some people listen to this later. So you can go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, search for the DFS pregame show, and you can listen to it later. Obviously, you could watch it later on YouTube also. But uh, it, if you're listening, you can always show up 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern. Ask any type of strategy questions. We go off on tangents sometimes. I show the I show the the tools or something like that, uh, and. Uh, and 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 it doesn't doesn't matter what it was. Uh, hit the hit the thumbs up button for especially because I'm out of apple juice. I got water. I got water today. Uh, don't try to keep the water cold or whatever. It doesn't matter. The thumbs ups don't do that. But maybe the maybe the like button helps me get more apple juice. I'm out of apple juice. I'm out of apple juice. Oh my god, it's 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 a tragedy. So hit that, hit the subscribe button if you're new, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Suki Singh, Max Coach, Frederick Dute, Daniel Hutchings, Card Fan, Zach Hobbs, Cheryl Lynn Ridgeway, Apocalypse, and Meet, Meet Plow, Mr. Plow. How you doing, Mr. Plow? Uh, let's see. Uh, 14th in the Minimax last night using the San Francisco stack. I spotted with Bad X. Uh, Meat Plow. Yeah, I, I had some I had some giant stacks. I had some of everyone. Right. Yesterday I played I played on DraftKings yesterday because when, when they decreased the large field GPP uh entry size, that's what I play there over FanDuel because fan, both both the structures suck. Uh DraftKings is a little bit better, but I, I don't want to play a hundred lineups with eighteen dollars a lineup. I'll do a I'll I'll do seventy-five lineups with uh with eight dollars or ten dollars a lineup. So that's what I did yesterday. I played a bit I bit played a bit of everything. That's what I normally do. I play a very diverse set of lineups but i i go i typically go under on whatever's the chalk's gonna be okay so like yesterday the yankees like dude dude if you if you had if you had if, if you if you're over on the yankees you, you did something wrong odor was 31 percent owned okay i had 12 percent of them yeah i had some yankees yeah but most of the sharper players went under like the yankee stacks on on a nine games on that nine game slate we had the the yankees we're chalk. Uh, we had the, the the Angels actually came under owned than I thought they would be. They were still kind of chalky, but not the stack wasn't as chalky. Stroud came in at 14%. I thought he would come in at more like 20%. Obviously, like Nico Horner on the Cubs, because he was cheap. He was like a one-off chalk type of piece. But we could see here, look, Odor, Stanton, Ursula, Labor Torres, 11%. Judge 10%, LeMayu 10%. The Yankees were clearly, clearly, the, I mean, they were the top stack against Matt Harvey, and Matt Harvey obviously did well. Then the Braves were somewhat owned, were decently owned. I mean, Cunha up here, Freeman 9%. So they were, they were, they were up there. I was under on the Braves. Uh, and then the, at, at pitcher, 
pitcher was interesting yesterday. Uh, Corbin Burns was mega, super duper chalk. As you can see here, Ricky D had zero of them. I mean, Ricky D, I, it's very hard for me to show Ricky D's exposures here on the pregame show because he plays in a some in a pretty dramatically different uh, style as as the rest, or a lot of other sharp players. Like, he, he plays his 150 almost like it's one lineup. So he makes like two or three strategic decisions and then just plays 150 lineups that go together with that. It's a very high variance strategy uh, as far as diversification is concerned. So it's like he decided to just not play Corbin Burns, right? He, he plays a time. He's always overweight, over overweight. Played a lot of Angels. So he did a lot of Angels, Morton, Morton Rogers, Disclafani. Right, right. I mean, obviously he's towards the top. Now you can see me here. Right? This is the, all these other guys have uh, 150 lineups. This is 75 lineups. So you can see here by pitcher, I still played. I still played 64% Corbett Burns. I mean, I still, it's drafting. You have to play two pitchers. But I was under on Morton and Otani. I played a lot of Disclafani and Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler was, the, I mean, that that was the nut combo. Disclafani and Wheeler. But a lot of them, I just didn't play them both in the same lineup. Typically, it was like Burns-Wheeler lineups and Burns-Disclafani lineups. I thought Charlie Morton was going a little over-owned. I thought Rodgers was okay. I mean, I had a, I, I had plenty of Rodgers. But I was more inclined to build some lineups where I stacked against Rodgers and Morton. So I played some Milwaukee stacks. Of course, they didn't get there. I played Cub stacks. That, that close, right? We needed uh, Contreras was fine and Bryant was fine. But I needed Rizzo and, and, uh, and uh, Baez wasn't in the lineup. But I needed Horner to do more or Hap, or someone like that. I had Sogard, like he didn't do anything. So I, I, I built Cub Stacks as leverage against the Charlie Morton ownership. I thought he would come in between 20 to 25%. I thought Rogers would come in around 30%. I didn't want to stack against Burns, but apparently that worked. That worked out even though Burns didn't do all that bad. The Marlins scored eight runs, but like five of them came in after Burns after Burns was out against the against the Milwaukee bullpen, which is normally good. I thought Zach Wheeler was tremendously under owned because no, because that his price point at nine k. It's not like he projected all that well, but he has a ceiling, so why not? So obviously, in my lineups where I'm playing like Burns, DiSclafani at ten percent, which I actually came in lower than I thought he would. Like maybe then I could play, I could play some Yankees, right? If I'm playing Burt, like if I'm playing Burns Wheeler, which obviously is expensive, maybe maybe Odor's sitting in that line. But other than that, like I, I tried, I tried to stay away from the Yankees. I mean, I still play plenty of them. And if we just take a look at the uh, like catcher exposure, typically that goes along with your stacks, right? Posey ended up being nine percent owned. I don't know how. You could see the stacks that I played here. So I still had Sanchez, I had Wilson Contreras, right? There you go, thirteen percent. Will Smith, I played some Dodgers. That didn't work out. What are the stacks that we're going under owned? That that that's all I'm going after. So like yesterday, I mean, I even, I even take notes. Like I'll even show you what I do. I have to, I have to fold out the stuff that's not relevant. Let me fold out the stuff. It's easier for me to write it down, to keep track. So I'll show you. I don't know if you could see this. You could see this here, whatever. So I just write down, like typically I do the order I, I open the bat stack projection page. 
and I put down the order of the highest ceiling point per dollar stacks, the four or five man stacks. So like yesterday was like Yankees, Mariners, Orioles, Brewers, Angels, Giants, A's, Phillies, Rays, Cubs, Reds. As part point per dollar, but then high ceiling, not point per dollar, Houston, Atlanta, and, and, and the Dodgers. So I need to put those down. Like they're high ceiling, but they're very expensive. So it's like they could get there, just you, you're not, you, the, but you have to understand how an optimizer works, how projections work. So the higher, the higher the ceiling thing per dollar goes, the point per dollar in general, the more that I'm going to get of them. So it's like if I don't change anything, I'm going to get a ton of Yankee stacks and Mariner stacks and Orioles stacks and Milwaukee stacks. Like, do I want that much in 75 lineups or 100 lineups? And I'm not going to get any Dodger stacks or Brave stacks or Astro stacks, right? Probably barely any Cincinnati stacks towards the bottom of that list. So now I have to determine who what's what's under-owned and what's over-owned. So like, okay, well, I'm going to get a ton of Yankees and I think they're over-owned. So now I'm going to have to cap them. Okay, I'm, I'm explaining the process of, of how you do this. So like I'm going to pay few, it's like I don't want any more than 16% total or something. It ended up being 18%. So I like I even put the numbers, the total number beside it. So I can keep track. So when, when I'm changing exposures, I know what the cap is. So 18% Yankees, which ended up being like, like 8% as a four or five man stack. And 8%, like 10% as a five-man stack and 8% as a three-man stack or vice versa, whatever it was. I'd Seattle at 14 total, which is like six as a five-man stack and eight as a three-man, as a secondary part. Baltimore, I had 20. So I'm like, I'm going through just so when I click the button, when I build my lineups, like in the Yankees, if I have 18%, in stacks and whatever, that means anything past 18 is is like one-offs and other like 5X type stacks. So if I see Odor at 28% exposure, I know that he's probably in most of the Yankee stacks and then a one-off in 10% of my other lineups. Well, how do I, how, how do I keep Odor out of those lineups? Well, maybe I cap him at 20. Maybe I cap him at 16. And go, I don't want them in every Yankee stack. So keeping track of those numbers, I the Giants at 10 total <coughs> from a stack perspective. I think I, I like <coughs> like four and six. Four percent as a five man, six percent as a two or three man as part of other other lineups. So I know if I see, you know, Alex Dickerson, 14%, like what that is in comparison to the exposures that I have of the stacks. And then I could also see who's lower. I remember yesterday, yesterday, uh, my Baltimore stacks, I saw at the bottom, I went through, I I knew I had like 20% Baltimore. And I looked at the bottom and Cedric Mullins was only in two lineups. Two lineups out of a hundred. It's like, how do I have Baltimore? How do I, I got got 20% Baltimore stacks. I barely get any Cedric Mullins. So you know what you do? Now you, now you bump him up. Instead of putting a cap, you put a minimum. So put a minimum at eight and then run it again. So I, so all my Oriole stacks don't look the same, right? Because if I don't put caps there or mins and maxes, it's just going to give me the best possible median lineups. 
So all my Yankee stacks may be the same five guys. Or most of them are the same. There's four guys and one guy different. And maybe I don't, I, I have zero liners with Clint Frazier in it. Barely any liners with LeMay. I have three liners with LeMay in it because it's trying to grab the best in the middle. So that's what I use those for. So that's how I come up with that. That's why, that's why you see such a diverse set of lineups in my lineups. And you also see a diverse set of lineups in most other, I, I bring up Ricky D. He doesn't do, he doesn't do diversification this way. But if we take a look at just the field in general, I mean, someone like Anil, Neil P. Rao, 88. I mean, look, he's exposed to, I mean, look, the, look how many players he's playing. Look how many players most of these guys are playing, right? Except for Ricky D, we get rid of him. Let's get rid of R- Ricky D. He kind of takes one thing and just, that's it. If it goes his way, he could score, he, he could win a lot of money. And if it doesn't, he's all the way at the bottom. But if we see here, you could see how diverse the lineups are because baseball is such a var- high variant sport. And it's mostly stacks. So if we take away the pitchers, even, obviously, I mean, I can, like having Trout at 33%, that's a lot, right? These greens, you don't see many blues, right? You see some Upton, 25, 29, but you don't see batters. Most sharp players play at like, oh, 70% of a guy. And typically the ones that, if we take a look here at the field, Stanton, he was 18% owned. No one really had more than that. I mean, a Hubro, I guess. Urshela, more people are under on Urshela. Flavor Torres, either at or under. Judge, at or under. LeMahieu, mostly under. The Yankees were over-owned for there being 18 teams on the slate. Were they the highest probability team? Yes. But how much were you going to gain by a five-man Yankee stack with Odor at 31% owned? And the same thing could be said with like the one-off type of thing, like Nico Horner, he was 2,700 leading off for the Cubs. Now, if you use an optimizer and you don't know what you're doing, what ends up happening is that even if you're not stacking the Yankees and you're not stacking the Cubs, and you're like, I want a five-man stack and some one-offs. Like you're going you're gonna to get a lot of five-man stack, Odor at either second or third, and Horner at either second and short. You can get a lot of that lineup. You know, I'm going to take Burns. I'm going to take Morton, right, or something. Maybe not Morton if you have Horner in there. You can take two pitchers and this five-man stack and then give me whatever's left. And it's, it's going to jam in Odor at second base and Horner at shortstop. And then give you and give you Mike Trout, right, in the other outfield spot to spend up the money. That's what it's going to do until you tell it otherwise. Do you want to play those lineups? Do you want to play a five-man stack with the two chalk pitchers and the two chalkiest one-offs? I wouldn't, right? You end up playing Odor, you play Horner, and then it fits in either Trout, Harper, or Acuna, right? The pay-up outfield spot. Especially if you're playing cheaper stacks. I mean, that's what it's going to do. So how do you stop it from doing that? Unless you, do you want to play the chalky lineup like that? If you're playing a smaller field contest, maybe you, maybe you do. But this is the reason a lot of times why the ownership on these guys gets high. Brad Miller, first base, right? He was cheap. Because people use people use optimizers and don't know what they're doing. 
So you end up you end up with way chalkier lineups than you really intended. Oh, but I'm playing a five man whatever stack. Like even if you were playing a five man giant stack, which was low owned, do you really want Odor and Horner and two chalk pitchers in that lineup? Maybe not. I wouldn't. Doesn't mean you don't play them at all. Just be just be aware of how you construct lineups, especially if you're using a, a tool like Lineup HQ. You're using a piece of software. The piece of software is there to make it more efficient for you, not to make your decisions. But if you let it make the decisions, that's what's going to happen. So when people ask, well, why is this guy so owned? Well, how is he 31% owned? Yeah, he's 3,100 in the cleanup hitter for the Yankees in Camden Yards against Matt Harvey with the platoon advantage. We get the why the projections good. But we're still talking about Rugi Odor who doesn't do much other than strike out or hit the ball over the fence. So when he's chalk, typically you go the other direction. So the, the, most of the time, most of the extent, depending on the lineups that you have. A lot of times that's the reason why players are owned the way they are. When they're when those really cheapy guys, let's see. Ronald Coley says to get myself a rocket book. Jordan, it's a cloud-stored notebook. You physically write it down and then store it in the cloud. I don't need to store this stuff. I'm going to throw this out. I don't need to store it. I do that for MMA also. I always write down the odds and everything of all the fighters on a sheet, typically on Friday. It's so I could just look at this and don't have to reference a screen. I don't have to go to DK Sportsbook or anything. I go, okay. I could just look at this and go, oh, okay. Write down some arrows. I'm old school. I don't drag stuff into Excel and have it do it automatically. I don't do that. I just, okay. I need to, I need to see the odds of all the fighters. I can look on my screen on the DK Sportsbook thing, but I could do this and then I can take notes. And then when I'm building my lineups or whatever, I could just, I have one thing to look at and it has all the information on it. So that's what I do. When I'm building my exposures and when I'm building up lineup HQ, I have my little cheat sheet. Like, okay, this team's going to be higher owned, lower owned. Chances of winning, you know, those types of things. You can just put it on the sheet. 13 games late, I'm going to have to do that. Five games late, you probably don't. Okay, not many teams. You don't. How many notes do you need? No, Sean A, deep, these numbers I'm not inputting into lineup HQ. I'm keeping track. Like, these numbers, like that 11, this is like the, the ownership. So it's like, I'm ordering this. I'm, I ordered all the things based on the stacked point per dollar value as of the bat or whatever projection set you use. So I know that if I don't do anything, it's going to give me all the Yankees and then all the Mariners and then all the, like, I'm not going to get these low stacks because it's going to want to jam it. If I play a hundred lineups, it's going to give me like 70 Yankees lineups first. So I need to know that they project the best. Yes. But I, I, that's why I order it this way. So I know that, that if I want Cubs all the way at the bottom, I'm going to have to start capping the ones at the top or at least minimum saying at least 10% Cubs. So at least I know that going in. I mean, I know that in my head, but I want to keep track. Like, why am I getting so many Mariners? It's because obviously they rate out good point per dollar. So those numbers are the ownership. Then I put little pluses next to the ones where their ownership is lower than their probability of success. So all these pluses are positive leverage type of stacks. And then this other number that I put on the other side is once I set my stacks on the stacks page, primary plus secondary, I add them up and I put that number there. 
So I know that now when I'm building lineups, what percentage of my lineups have a stack of that team, whether it be a primary or a secondary stack. So like I said before, if I have the Angels in 16% of my lineups in stacks, whether it be primary and secondary, I know that if I'm getting Mike Trout, like any number past there, there, that guy has to be in one-offs in other lineups. So if I'm getting 27% Justin Upton and I only have 16% Angels, I know the number where I need to get to. How many lineups do I want Upton in? Do I want him in all my Angel stacks and a ton of one-offs? So maybe I cap Justin Upton at 20. He comes in at 27, I cap him at 20. Because the Angels are at 16. But like the Giants are at 10. So I was getting a lot of Brandon Belt. The bat like Brandon Belt yesterday. So I was getting like 20. On my first run, I got like 28% Brandon Belt. Well, I only have 10% Giants. So where do I cap Belt at? 14 15%. He's still going to be a one-off in a bunch of lineups, but not in like every, every lineup. But I need to know how many stacks do I have. So when I'm doing that, I have something to reference. So I don't constantly have to jump back and forth between that, between the, the build page and the stacks page. Because on the stacks page, it shows everything. But I don't want to have to constantly go from my lineups to stacks and see how many A's do I have? And that's why I could go through looking at this with the Orioles and I'm like, okay, I have 20% Baltimore stacks, but I have Cedric Mullins in two lineups, right? I had Ian Happ in one line. I was playing a ton of Cubs stacks. I was playing 14% Cubs. I had Ian Happ, who's batting fifth in one lineup. Well, that's obviously too low. So I bump him up to six, right? I see. So I get, what'll end up happening is that now, Chris Bryant starts coming out of a couple of lineups or Contreras comes out of a couple of lineups or Sogard or whoever Rizzo comes out of a couple of lineups to fit Ian Happ in the lineup. So I have more diversity of the stack. So that that's the reason I write those numbers down because you could see from my exposures, I'm not playing, I'm not playing a million percent of anyone, right? I had Bregman, Upton, no one else past 20. And also remember, it's very hard to, to study my play in these tournaments because this is 75 lineups out of 100 lineup set. Because I also played the Moonshot, which is a 20 max. And I played five single entry contests. But it, the five single entry, it's all part of my 100 set. So this is missing the 20 lineups that are in the Moonshot. That's a very similar size tournament, I guess. And they just go it randomly. So I mix them, I mix them up. Except for the single entry stuff. I, I go by the size of the tournament, because that's, I'm going to play the higher own lineups in the smaller contest and the lower own lineups in the higher, in the, the bigger contest. So I sort my CSV that way. So where it goes, who knows? So you're seeing the 75 lineups that happen to be in the extra inning, the whatever, $10, was it $10 yesterday? Okay, let's see. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Nate Branchaw, do you usually build your lineups all in the same run in lineup HQ, or do you build in sets and pick out the lineups you want to play? No, I usually build in the same run. Brian Seymour, how important is stacking in single-entry MLB contests versus larger GPPs? 
obviously can be slate dependent as well. I would suggest you you watch yesterday's show as well as Friday's show from last week, as well as Thursday's show from the week before, as well as Wednesday's show from the week before, as well as Tuesday's show from the week before, as well as Monday's show from the week before. The, the previous Friday show, you should probably watch that as well. Actually, you should probably watch all the pregame shows because I literally talk about it every every show. Yes, it's important. Let's see. Uh, Doug Sellier says, I run a baseline of 100 to see what's kicked out. Then I'll read uh, Jesus' musings and adjust and 50% stacks. 50% he's going through everything. No batter over 290. Oh, he's talking about the Yankees. I'm going to still play the Yankees. I have no problem playing me. Doug Montgomery, if making three lineups for a FanDuel three to a hundred, how many teams would you look to stack in those three lineups? Would you use a stack like you do in two or three? Uh, Doug, you're asking the wrong questions. Make three good lineups. How many teams would you look to stack? There's no answer to that question. You could stack one team three times. You could stack three different teams. That's a question of diversification, not a question of strategy. Anytime you're asking how many, remember, remember the rules, people. Remember the rules. You'll know you're a, you're you're asking a dumb question when the question can be answered with a yes or a no. Okay, so ask, think, think in your head. Is the answer yes or no? Can it be answered with this? If the if you if it can, don't type it in. Can the answer can the answer be can it be answered with a, a specific number? How many of? It's already a stupid question. Right. Remember, we're dealing with variables. You can't think linearly. How many? If you're making three lineups for a FanDuel 100, just make three lineups that are good for a 100-man contest. That's it. It could be a five-man stack. It could be a three-man stack. It could be a chalk pitcher and not chalk pitcher. Everything in your lineup depends on one another. So you can't think in those terms. You could play eight one-offs. You can in a 100-man contest. Absolutely. Play eight one. Play your cash lineup. You can. Is it the best thing to do? Maybe. Maybe not. If you know that ninety nine of your opponents are stacking one team, right? They're all stacking the Yankees. Five man stacks of the Yankees. Well, you could win with. You could win with your cash lineup at that point. If the Yankees fail, you win. Done. So you can't say not to do it. More often than not, you, you, you're playing some type of correlation in your lineup. But it's a small field contest. Maybe you play a four man. Maybe you play a five. Maybe you just, I don't know who's, I, I, I'm going to bet on this team. I don't know who's going to do well. So as long as I get a, as many of the points as possible, you can play a five, three. Or in FanDuel, you can play a four, four in a hundred man contest. If you get the two teams right, most likely you'll win. You don't need the perfect score. So if you have a zero in the lineup, who cares? But you could also do it since you don't need the correlation. You don't need to increase your variance. I'm just going to play three hitters from that team and two from this. You can play a three, two, one, one. You could, depending on the lineup that you're playing. You're playing lineups. Remember, lineups, not players. Well, what stack should I play? Well, are you playing the chalky pitcher? No, I'm playing a 1% on pitcher. Okay, then play a chalky stack. You could do that. It depend. Everything in your lineup depends on everything else. Uh, let's see. Sean A, in MLB, do you bump up the projections at all? Like how in NBA you would tinker with minutes? Well, why would I Why would I bump the projections? There's no reason to. The only time I'll tinker with projections is if that's the only way I could solve a problem in my build. I'm still getting, I'm still getting 35% Odor. 
I'm capping him. I'm doing it. Obviously, I'm decreasing the minimum salary. I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, no, nah, look, let me just take his projection down from eight and a half to six and a half. And then he starts coming down. That's the only time I, I will do something like that. Mark Clara, how do you determine which team to mini stack and which team to full stack? It's whatever, whatever comes out. I know people don't like these answers, but that those are the answers. How do you determine which team to I'm making I'm making both lineups, so I don't even care. Choose one, flip a coin. Most of the most of the questions that are good, you're overthinking MLB DFS. I think MLB DFS is one of no, I would no, definitely the most overthought out DFS sport. NBA is 10 times, I would say easily 10 times more work. NFL, 10 times more work. MLB DFS is closer to golf, is closer to MMA, closer to tennis. Whatever you think about in doing an MMA, that's closer to what MLB DFS is. You take a look, it's like, oh, I'm just going to roster six fighters. Okay, done. Obviously, there's no correlation in MMA. The same thing, same thing in MLB. I'm just take five five hitters from a team. Which team? Eh, you could, today's slate is what, 26 teams? It's viable to take any of the, I guess, any of the teams. You could. You could, you could probably build a five. There's probably a five-man stack of every, of on, on a team of all 26 teams. And you could build a lineup that is positive expected value of any of the teams. Doesn't matter which one it is. I don't. I don't even look at the slate. It's twenty six teams. What Geo is pitching and Scherzer is pitching, right? Whoever, wh- whatever the team. I don't even know. I don't. I know who's facing Scherzer and Geo or whatever. You could stack that five man stack of that team. Obviously, they'll be like one percent owned. And then you jam the chalk around there. That's probably plus EV depending on how high-owned Scherzer and Giolito were going to be. The higher they're owned, the more EV they are. Of course, they don't come in that often, but when they do, it wins you a lot of money. But that's how you should be thinking of it. There's no, like, what what else would you be thinking of? You could, you could build plus EV lineups of, like, anything, practically. Just run it. Just run the math. What is the projection? What is the ownership combined? You could build so many lineups. You could build... Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. On today's slate, there's probably, it, 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 obviously the EV of a lineup depends on on what else is in the contest, right? You're trying to build better lineups than your opponents. But but from a, in a vacuum, like this, you could probably build 50,000 plus EV lineups today. Potentially plus EV, right? So, okay, there's 50,000. Which one do you play? Um, that's what you're asking. I'm going to play a hundred, <laughs> right? Uh, KL is asking a question about S corps. I would, I would talk to an accountant. I'm not a tax advisor or anything. Can you retroactively pay yourself back once the S corp is set up? I have no idea. I think you're too late to have an S corp election this year. Uh, let's see. Jacob Calloway asks, does it make more sense to multiply how much? over under own the pieces are in the lineup by the amount of roster slots they occupy. I don't think that's, I think you're overthinking it. You're calculating stuff. That's no, why you don't need to, I get what you're trying to do, but I don't think it matters. Gavin Nokomovich. Do you do a slate debrief when it's over to see where you went wrong? 
No. What went wrong? I don't understand what that means. I do what I do. I go and look at what sharper players did in their lineups. Went wrong? There's, what's what's going wrong? Odor putting up a zero. Is that wrong? I, I, you're still thinking in terms of outcomes. It was not wrong from a probability perspective to play the Yankees yesterday. Now, if you played the Yankees with if you played the two chalk pitchers and the Yankees and Nico Horner in your lineup, like that, you're not going to win a large field GPP. That's that that's a bad construction. The Yankees weren't bad, but you had to construct your lineups much differently if you were going to stack the Yankees yesterday, especially with them being overowned. That's what you'd be looking at. You're not looking at the outcomes. I if you look at your if you look if if you go through your lineups and you see. Odor and and uh, Horner as one-offs in your line in a, in a five-man stack on DraftKings. That means you probably screwed up somewhere. Whether or not they did well, or it doesn't matter what happened. But if you played any, if you played Corbin Burns and the two chalky, cheap value one-offs, you made you made lineups that were too similar to other people's. Really, no matter what stack you played, right? Well, I played the Orioles and they were low on, but your, your lineup construction is not. Why are you playing the two chalk one-offs and the chalk pitcher in that lineup? Find a different way. Odor was 31% owned on a nine-game slate. Unless the lineup is really low, really low, you should not have been a one-off in those lineups. It doesn't matter. Even if he, even if he hit three home runs, it doesn't matter. That's what you should be evaluating. Not what happened. Oh, I thought this thing would happen. I never think anything will happen. You shouldn't think that way. I think this team's going to do well and they do badly. What went wrong? Like I think that's what most people do. I don't. I, I don't predict outcomes to begin with. So what would I go wrong? I would just look at what did sharper players do and how would that? What constructions did they make that I may have messed up on that I didn't think of? I take a look at some of the some of the people here, and I go, you know, who played Wheeler? Who played DiSlafani? Who made those types of combinations? And I see a bunch of people did. Did they go under on the Yankees? Yes, they went under on the Yankees. I went under on the Yankees. Did they go under on Morton? Did they stack the Cubs against Morton, which is what I did a little? I see some. Where's Bryant? Oh, they have a little. I mean, these are only a couple of I mean, I would look at more than just one, two, three. Six six guys. Just that it that's what fits on the screen for, for this show. I pick out a couple. But I'd look through 20 or 30. Go, was I the only one to stack the Cubs? To make Cubs lineups? Was I the only one that played the what was Avisale Garcia? No, no, people played Avisale. Okay. The Brewers, how about Taylor? That the 2K guy? Yeah, because I, I had him in stacks. Milwaukee stacks, Pena. So yeah, Utica, Uta and FJ. Yeah, yeah, there were some some Brewer stacks in here. Okay, I wasn't nuts. Thirty percent on Trevor Rogers. Goes over owned. Milwaukee hits him. Okay, that's viable. So that's what I'm looking for. Not like oh, how come I didn't pick the Giants yesterday? Or how come I didn't pick the Mar the the, the Marlins? against the Milwaukee bullpen. Like, I don't think in those terms. I just like, what What did what did 20 or 30 sharp players do? And did I do things that were similar? 
That's really all you could, that's how you have to assess your play. Because I would trade my results for most of the people that are on this list. Yuta, Yuta's made millions. FJ Bourne, a hub bro, who's, who's, who's doing great the past month or two. Anil, OCD. I mean, these, these these are good DFS players. But if they gave me the choice of like, I could just have their lineups every day. Like I would want to have their lineups every day. Do they win every day? No, of course not. A profit perspective at the end of the year, I'd rather, if I didn't have to make any lineups and just, just give me those lineups. That's what I would want. So that's what you should be comparing yourself to. Let's see. Michael Dampier, I realize you might not be able to answer this because it is RG. I'll answer anything. I'm, remember, I'm transparent. Bad X versus uh, plate IQ projections. With the strategy you use, which doesn't matter on the projections. Does Bad X give you a big advantage over normal RG plate IQ projections? They're just different projections. RG plate IQ projections are similar to many other projections in the industry. Cardi's model includes a lot more variables. That's the only difference. It doesn't make the, it doesn't make the RG projections bad. Let's say there are 50 variables that go into most projections. You weight them appropriately, calculate regression, you do all that all the fun stuff. It's pretty good. Right? The RG projections. Well, the bat, the bat X, like Cardi has 200 more variables. Now, they may only matter a little bit here and there, but they'll, they'll add up over time, right? It weighs, Cardi's model typically weights weather and umpires and ballparks a little bit more than other models. And now it has all the stat cast data in there. So it's not like in, 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 <clears throat> in Cardi's model, it's still like all the guys that were chalk were, were, were projected well in the bet also. Like it's the, the the difference. You're not going to see well. Stan in in the in in light IQ projections projected for eleven point five, and in the baddies projected for eighteen. Like you're not going to see those discrepancies. You're not even going to see probably even two points. So the RG projections are fine. You could do, do the same exact thing that I do. Use the RG projections. Typically, from a bet like the, the the difference between the bat and any other projection model is. Is, is going to be the every other projection set is going to be directionally accurate. The bat may be more precise. But it's rare, it's rarely going to be like, oh, this team is the top stack of the day in one and then be like garbage in the other. Like you're not you're not gonna see that. Uh, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat some more. Hog Lawrence DFS. Did I read the stack leverage tool incorrectly yesterday? While the Yankees were very high owned, I thought the smash percentage was even higher. Sorry, late to the discussion is if already covered. Uh, according to the RG smash percentage tool, uh, the Yankees had a 22% chance of smashing based on their individual player projection distributions. Understand there's a difference between our smash percentage tool and Slate IQ. The, prop, the proper methodology is the Slate IQ methodology of running the actual contest. Obviously, the smash percentage of all the Yankees are going to be high because they're all projected well. And then you combine five of them together, the total smash percentage is going to be high. But that's only running a sim... That's that's 
What's their distribution? Uh, each individual hitter. Not in the span of the entire slate and everyone else on the slate. That's much more, the smash percentage is much more useful for a sport like NBA, where the individual players, uh, the distribution between two players aren't, aren't as correlated. So just because Aaron Judge has a 22% chance of smashing doesn't mean that means Stan has a 22% chance of smashing. That doesn't mean that Torres has a 22% chance of smashing. That does like that. That doesn't mean anything, right? Obviously, all the batters in a, in a, in a high projected team are going to be higher, but they're all going to go together all at once or not, right? In order to get the whole stack to pay off. So let's say Judge puts up two home runs. And let's say Torres puts up two home runs and then no one else does anything. Well, the stack failed. Now, Judge and Torres are going to be needed in your lineups, right? The winning lineup has two one-offs as a two-man Yankees. But the five-man Yankees fails. The four-man Yankees fails. But if you add up all that smash with the two home run from Judge and the two home run from Torres, you'd probably get 22%. Because it's, it's basing it on individual player outcomes. And then combining the numbers together. But that's, that's not the way the world works. So you can, you can use that. That will show that. But it's more useful to run the assimilation of the actual contest. Because just because two people out of a five-man stack put up 30 points each doesn't, doesn't win you a GPP, even though technically the smash percentage would be 22%. So that, I hope you understand what that means. Like it's adding up all the individual players' chances of smashing. But you need all five. You need the total points of all of them. You can't have zeros in your lineups. So yes, the Yankees could put up 90 fantasy points. Let's say a five-man Yankee stack is 90 fantasy points. But which five, right? Which five? How is it distributed? It could be one, three, seven, nine, and anyone, and, and the fifth guy is zero because Clint Frazier had two home runs at the bottom of the order. I mean, it's just adding it all up. So to go just by that number is it's 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 a guide, I guess. But no, I wouldn't know. The, the the Yankees on a on a, as far as eighteen teams are concerned, if you simulated it out, Slate IQ only had them as the winner, like I think eleven. At nine to eleven percent of the time, as a four or five man stack, doesn't mean that the a Yankee couldn't be on the winning lineup. But oh, of course not, it could. But you really need, you need to simulate the slate. You need to slim, simulate the contest, and not just add up the 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 percentile of where the, a, a target score would be. Like that's what Smash is. I think smash percentage is more useful for NBA or for a sport where there isn't where, where, where you're not building lineups with like four or five guys from the same team. Like it's, 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 it's less, it's, you should be, if you're, if you're going to be playing that heavy correlation, you should be simulating the contest, not just adding up individual player smash percentages. I, ho- I hope that, I hope you, you understand the difference. Let's see. Max Coach One says, "Blender, you said you like the bat for the SP two projections. Well, yeah, the the bat tends to, if anything, the pitching projections, and maybe 
more different from the rest of the industry. Cardi won't tell me what his secret sauce is, but I mean, obviously he, he uses way more variables. But yes, that's that's the that's that's the most noticeable thing. It's still most days it's not going to be that dramatic either. But sometimes when it's Drew Smiley day, where it's uh, you know sixty two hundred dollar Drew Smiley, and it's like, oh okay, I guess, and he's he's four percent owned, and if you have the bat, he's everyone's playing him. Right, it's one of those types of things. Typically, those those cheap pitchers. So, so sometimes it, it could point those out. It does, doesn't mean they're going to do well, but a lot of times you'll see those 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 six to seven K type pitchers actually project decently in the bat, but not in the RG projection. Bill Thomas says the bat weighs weather too much, as Cardi would say, it weighs it appropriately. If anything, the other projections around the industry don't weigh it enough. Typically, that's what Cardi said. He, tip, those three factors, the umpire, the ballpark, and the weather, the bat weighs higher than any other model that I know. And I remember, you know, three, four years ago when I, start, when I started looking into the bat, I said to Cardi, damn, the ballpark factors are just are nuts. It's like compared to other, compared to even the model that I would make. And his attitude is, is like, he's, he's tested this stuff. It's like that's the what that's what it should be weighted. So how do I argue with that? It's like you're showing me, you're sh- you're sh- you're telling me, you're giving me the conclusion. It's like, dude, I'm just putting in, I'm 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 analyzing it the same way. This is what it should be. If other if other places aren't, then they're they're the ones that are wrong. Obviously, with stuff like umpires and like ballparks and and weather, it may just make the variance higher. It may just increase the range of outcomes. It may not have that much difference on the median. Maybe the median goes up a little, depending on the ballpark, but it, it raises the ceiling, right? Especially ballpark type of stuff. Because like, if the ball's on the ground, the ballpark doesn't matter. The ball's in the air, the ballpark matters, right? Same thing for weather. Oh, it's, it's 15 mile an hour wind blowing out. Yeah, but if, if you don't hit the ball in the air hard, not going to matter right it's 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 not going to matter 20 ground balls it doesn't oh well it was a wrigley win game and it failed it's like well you have to hit the ball hard in the air not just in the air not pop-ups you have to hit the ball hard and maybe you'll get an extra 15 feet of carry but that's the difference between a 385 foot fly out at the top of the warning track to a home run Right? So higher variance. That still needs to happen. So the ceiling goes up. Doesn't mean the, the, the doesn't mean that it's it's guaranteed. Oh, it's guaranteed to happen. Let's see. Joe Wheeler, do you have certain stats and plate IQ you focus on for hitters and pitchers? No, zero. Joe, I look at zero stats. Literally. I'm not saying I'm not saying that as a as a rib. I look at zero statistics in baseball. Zero. None. Whatsoever. Now, do I use the statistics in baseball? Absolutely. They're in the projection. They're already in there. I'll show you what I look at. I'll show you exactly what I look at. Let me reload this. Here's the bad X projections. Okay, 11.52. This is what I use. Okay, Stanton, 12.7. Nine, twelve point six four, 
Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of, a lot of Yankees coming up today, right? Because they're playing, they're still playing in Camden against a garbage pitcher, right? So we're getting a lot of Urshela. Meadows is cheap against Montes, right? This is all I'm looking at. You see this this projection zone right here, right? Fantasy points, projected ownership, floor, ceiling, point per dollar. That's it. That's all of that. Those are the only numbers that I look at. Period. I couldn't tell you someone's batting average, someone's slugging percentage, someone's woba, someone's what I I have no clue. Now all that stuff is in these numbers. It's already in these numbers. It's already computed. So do I need to know that? No. It, it's in there. Although anything that's relevant is going to be put in these range of outcomes, right? These numbers. So no. I don't look at any stats whatsoever. It's Superman. Superman has a question. Superman, out of all people. Out of all people. So apparently Superman's kryptonite is line of HQ. <laughs> apparently that's his kryptonite. Not sure what I'm doing incorrectly, but I seem not to get a certain stack of a team I want to play when building 10 lineups. Well, it depends on what your settings are. I mean, that's that's very broad. You should be able to get, you should be able to get whatever you want to get. If it's mathematically possible, think think mathematically. Like, oh, I want this cheap stack and these two cheap pitchers, and I'm not getting it. It's like, what's your minimum salary? Maybe, maybe that that lineup only spends forty six thousand in salary, and now now you see why you can't make it because you set your minimum salary at forty nine five, right? Think mathematically. I don't know. Typically, those are the issues. Not you know the, the software is not doing anything wrong. You're giving it constraints where those lineups just can't happen. Some people do it the opposite way. Oh, I want to play the expensive stack and the two expensive pitchers and three expensive one-offs. How come I'm not getting it? Well, you, you can't spend 62000 on a lineup. I'm sorry. Like, that's the reason. You can't have 60% Trout, 60% DeGrum, 60% Bieber, 60% Acuna. You can't have that. Those lineups can't. And 60% Dodger stacks. Like, how many of those lineups can you expect to make? Zero. You can't. You can't. You don't have enough salary for that. You're like, I'm not getting any Dodger stacks. Yeah, because you can't make them. Typically, it's some type of issue like that. So is Odor going to be 33% again? What do we have? We have initial ownership up. <laughs> 30. Yeah, if he bats, well, if he bats, even if he bats ninth. Do we expect him to bat ninth? I guess so. Yeah, the Yankees are going to be chalk today. Yankees, Angels against Fulty. Yankees, Houston maybe against Gonzalez a little. Maybe a little Atlanta, maybe. Yeah, but it's mostly Yankees. Are people going to stop playing the Yankees after yesterday? I saw people in Discord. Some people like, I'm done with the Yankees. I hope they go low-owned. I'll play a ton of them. And if they're going to be high-owned on a 13-game slate, I'll play very little of them, (laughs) right? That's all you need to do, people. Stop overthinking it. No, at these cards, if this was the actual ownership, let's go to the Yankees. If this was the actual ownership, let's go by, by order. So if we had a stack on a 13-game slate, remember, there's this 26 teams to choose from. Stanton, Judge, Torres, Ursula, Odor, or Sanchez. You know, you, you get the catcher in there. You get the shortstop, the third base, right? You do something like this. 
So maybe you skip over Judge. You're playing Stan at 47, Torres at 42, Urschel at 31, Sanchez at 47, Odor at 3,000, something like that. Like, the, I, I can't see myself making a lineup like that today. If it's just, I mean, you can. Obviously, you'd have to get some weirded pitcher and, you know, something else in your lineup has to be low-owned. But still, I can't see playing 30, a 33 plus a 24 plus a 21 plus a 15 plus a 17 on a 13-game slate. Doesn't mean I don't play them as one-offs. Doesn't mean, I mean, it's quite possible I don't play them as, as a five-man at all. I'm playing the DraftKings today. If they're going to be this owned. Now, can you play them as a five-man if you play more LeMahieu or Hicks or Frazier or something like that? Yeah, okay. I could see that. But I want to see what this ownership is going to be. Because they burned everyone yesterday. But they're also going to project well today. So, like, it's one of those things where they burned everyone yesterday. Everyone, relatively. But if you're, if you're, if you're, they still project well. They still project well today. They're still as cheap as they were yesterday. So people are just going to, people are just going to play them again. They should, they should. But how much is this ownership going to be affected by yesterday's result? I'm not sure if it if it gets that if it, if it is by that much, maybe a little. But I don't think we're going to see this. I don't think these numbers are going to come down by half. We're not going to see Stanton at twelve and Torres at seven and Urschel at ten and Odor at, at at thirteen or something. I don't think so. This is going to be the highest stone stack easily. I mean, as of right now. I mean, what else? What else would there be? And the Angels, maybe, right? We have Trout. Let's take a look at the Angels, right? Otani, yeah, 4,300. Wow, yeah, he's going to be owned against Fultonevich, who typically has problems with lefties. Otani, Trout, Walsh, Upton. Yeah, this this stack is going to be owned. Yeah, so I guess Angels will be like number two, maybe. I mean, they're the highest total teams. I mean, look. Angels, 4.93. Houston, 4.92. The White Sox. Where are the White Sox going to be? Zero. Nothing. Okay, I guess. White Sox. No one's going to take him. I guess I guess you play the White Sox. So maybe these numbers, maybe we shouldn't be looking at the numbers this early for the ownership. But yeah, the Yankees have the highest team total on the slate, right? 5.44. So it makes sense. But like I said, it's not, to me, it's not about do you play the Yankees or not. What do you think the field is going to do? If they're going to own him at this level, I'm just going to just do what I did yesterday. I'll be I'll be under. It's baseball. There's 26 teams to choose from. I'll find something else to do. There's plenty of other ways to go. And the pitchers today, yeah, the ownership is all. Yeah, I don't know why. This ownership may actually be from yesterday. Who knows? But as far as projections for pitchers, yeah, Geo. Well, Scherzer doesn't even... We're sure. Is he pitching today? Yeah, he's pitched. Oh, he, he actually projects pretty poorly in the bat for 10.9K. Top projected pitcher. Yeah, Geo projects way higher. But he's also 9,500 against the Tigers. So, yeah. So, maybe Scherzer actually goes lower owned. Hmm. If you play, if you play Geo at 9,500 and then play like Montes at 7,300, like, yeah, you could spend up on bats. This be interesting slate, but we have we have 
pitchers that people don't typically like playing, like Ian Anderson against the Cubs. Hauser against Miami. I don't know if he's going to be owned. You got Bueller against Cincinnati. Javier against Seattle. Sanchez against, I mean, Colorado's horrible. Quintana against the Rangers. I mean, Peterson against the Red Sox in City Field. There are pitchers to choose from. There's no one other than like Geo and maybe, maybe Scherzer. Like there's nothing, there's no one you feel comfortable with, right? You want to play Trent Thornton? I don't. But it seems like pitching will be cheap enough that the expensive bats, the expensive stacks, like t- like today, maybe a vomit stack type of day. That would be the contrarian build. That may be. I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't looked enough. What would be the what would be the, the cheap stacks? Because if people are going to pay down a pitcher, they're going to have enough money. They're going to have Trout in their lineup or Acuna. They're going to have expensive guys. Judge at fifty six hundred or something. My goal is to try to do something different. But I need to know what people are going to do before I know what to do different. That's MLB DFS. That's what we talk about every morning, right? You see me here. I got no apple juice today, though. I got nothing. So hit the thumbs up button so more apple juice comes, right? I'll have to go out. I'll, I'll go out. I'll go out to the store and get more apple juice today. So hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got... NBA Grinders Live coming up later. We got MLB Grinders Live coming up later. We got uh, got the, the crunch time for premium members. You want to sign up to Roto Grinders Premium? I'm in the Discord. If you're a premium Discord member, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I answer questions. Go click on the link in the description below for $10 off your first month. Obviously, you could get the Theory of DFS. 15-hour audio masterclass at Theory of DFS. Dot com. I, it seems like I repeat myself every day, though. Am I, am I on Groundhog Day? It seems like I repeat the same things every day. The different, if it was new people, it's one thing. But if it's the same people, it feels like I'm beating my head against the wall. But if I, if I need to do that in order to get you, get you to play better, then that's, that's the purpose of this show. Because I'm here every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 